This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. It's really cool at events like this, downtown Winston-Salem, Marriott Hotel, the National Sports Media Association allows us a chance to gather for the first time in a couple years and talk with some of the best sports writers and sportscasters there are covering baseball and football and basketball and otherwise. And certainly the 2020 Hall of Fame inductee Tom Verducci qualifies as one of the best storytellers we have in sports. Hall of Famer Tom Verducci. Having that title... Well, what does it mean to you? <laughs> it's pretty cool because this is all I wanted to do growing up. I mean, other than play sports, obviously, but I, I was in love with writing. Didn't really think about broadcasting, television work. That came later. But for me, I grew up um, just wanting to be a writer and especially a sports writer. So, listen, you grow up as a kid, you don't think about anything on this level. Hall of Fame, it was just a thrill for me to get hired when I did by Sports Illustrated. To me, that was you know, getting called up to the major leagues, the top of the major leagues. But this event in particular, i got to tell you, is, is really special. The award's special, first of all, because it's, it's the, the highest honor you can get because it's respect from your peers. Your peers are the ones voting on this award. So it means so much to me. And, and this event is just so cool. I love coming here. It, it really is like the equivalent for me of, as a player being at an all-star game, right? You're just surrounded with the best in the business. It's, it's really cool. And last night, we had a chance to spend time. I don't think we've mentioned this yet on the show, but Neil Leifer – Perhaps the greatest photographer and sports uh, sports photographer that we've ever had when you consider the Muhammad Ali shot of him over Liston in the 60s in Miami. And you're talking about, I didn't realize this, but I grew up a Baltimore uh, sports fan. My dad idolized Johnny Unitas and the Baltimore Colts. The fact on his 16th birthday, he took a photo that has been put all over the place since then, since 1959, of Alan Amici crossing the goal line, scoring a touchdown in the greatest NFL game ever played, the first overtime game. It's stuff like that it, you just you, you don't really get and you didn't realize how special it was till maybe years down the line that, man, we, we got to interact with those people and got to hear these stories. And one story that you told me last night I'd love for you to tell the audience, the Atlanta Braves are so big around here. They win the World Series why we've talked about it a couple of times that this is the biggest world series we've seen around here in over 20 years because the braves are in it brian snicker has ties here to the state of north carolina once upon a time he was the manager of the durham bulls wasn't he he was i mean he's managed a lot of places in the minor leagues i mean he more than overpaid his dues but durham definitely was a stop on the trail for brian a long trail to the big leagues uh, I get might get the wrong wrong year, but it was either 85 or 86, a manager of the Durham Bills, Bulls. And then after that season is when they began filming Bull Durham. Of course, the famous Kevin Costner movie, great flick. So Crash Davis is the main character of the movie, minor league catcher, spends forever in the minor leagues, gets to the big leagues for a cup of coffee. But they needed, wardrobe did, a catcher's mitt, of course, for Crash Davis, the catcher. And lo and behold, they figured, let's check the manager's office of the Durham Bulls. And Brian had already gone home at that point, but his office was open, and his favorite catcher's mitt was in there. 
And if anybody has had a mitt, I don't care what level you're on, there's just very few things that you hold near and dear, like your own mitt, right? It's And this was an old one. He was a former minor league catcher, used it as a bullpen catcher for the Atlanta Braves. He's warming up Greg Maddox with that mitt, for instance. Uh, but that was the one they used in the movie. Watch Bull Durham, and we can never get enough of it, right? I mean, if you haven't seen it 20 times, that's still not enough. That is Brian Snitker's glove or mitt that he's that Crash Davis is using. And I said to Brian, I said, well, that's got to be a keepsake, right? You got to have the wall on the wall somewhere at home, especially. He said, I never got it back. <laughs> so he, he gave up the mitt for uh, posterity in Hollywood history. But it's a great story, and I love it because Brian is just one of the most nicest, most unassuming people. And as I said, the dues he paid to get where he's at uh, – I'm always happy when a team wins the World Series that hasn't won it for a long time. And certainly that was the case with the Braves. But especially for guys like Brian Snitker and Ron Washington, even Freddie Freeman, um, Rick Kranitz, the pitching coach. These guys have been baseball lifers without having a ring on their finger of the ultimate ring. So happy for Brian Snitker. But that was one of my favorite stories, the connection to North Carolina, obviously, and, and Bull Durham. Tom Verducci with us here, 2020 Hall of Fame inductee here at the NSMA award ceremony so you were around Costner I'm sure at the Field of Dreams game earlier this year I've heard rumors that this guy loves keeping souvenirs from movies that that glove has to be somewhere at Kevin (laughs) Costner's house right you would hope so I mean by the way Kevin Costner that whole day to me was just so special being at the Field of Dreams game and Costner, I think, just nailed every bit of it, including his his walk-on at the beginning of the event. Uh, I remember thinking at the time, there was about three or four minutes. There was nothing but the background music playing and Costner walking slowly out in the field. And few things happen in today's world where actually very little happens, right? We're so used to car chases, as he said. Most movies have climax scenes with car chases and buildings blowing up. That certainly is not a field of dreams. And he just hit that moment perfectly. I'm watching him just kind of work the crowd, you know, not in a hurry, set the right tone for what was an incredible night of baseball. And I was like, yeah, there's a reason why this guy is a leading man in Hollywood. You know, he knows how to play the part. And the other thing I love about Kevin Costner and his movies, it's so authentic. It's not like he doesn't know something about baseball and somebody has to give him a, you know, baseball for dummies 101 series to get him involved in a, in the part that he plays. No, he's authentic in terms of his baseball knowledge and interest. Tom Verducci with us here. The last time we had this ceremony in 2019, Doc Emmerich was inducted, and Doc talked about why hockey was his sport. And he had opportunities to be doing different sports because of how good of a wordsmith he was turned down a lot of opportunities just to continue doing what he was doing as the voice of hockey in America. And when I think of the voices of baseball, like your voice writing about baseball deserves recognition to the point where you're a Hall of Fame inductee. But I don't remember you writing about anything else other than baseball. That had to, there had to be other opportunities. Am I right to assume that baseball was the one and only love for you? Well, I wouldn't say the only one. It was certainly the biggest love for me. Um, if you go way back in time, I was covering Nassau County High School football and basketball on oh. Long Island. But actually, my first full-time job at a college was covering the Miami Dolphins for Coco Today. Oh. Did that for a year um, and then got hired at Newsday and started covering baseball in New York, which was an incredible experience, very competitive. It's a place where you really want to 
hone your craft because you can't take anything for granted when you're competing with the New York Post, the New York Daily News, and on and on. So that was a great training ground. I got the Sports Illustrated. I actually did a few stories on other sports in the offseason, uh, a little bit of NBA, a couple of football pieces, not much, um, but it's always been my favorite sport. And, you know, I don't mind covering it 12 months out of the year. First of all, it's a long year anyway. <laughs> but if I had a choice of what sport to pick, this is the sport I would pick. And it, it always was my favorite for whatever reason. I guess part of it is because, to me, it, it's the more you know about the game, the more you find out you don't know a lot. There's just so much to explore. And people say, don't you get tired of it? It's baseball, doing it every year. And I said, no, it's always different. It's always changing. The game evolves. Now it changes faster than ever. And um, I, I just enjoy digging into the depths of how the game is played and the people who play it. I think 2021 was one of the better years that we've seen for baseball in a long time in terms of storylines when you do have that Field of Dreams game and it's such a big success and you see the Atlanta Braves, what a story they were going into the playoffs and winning the World Series and you'd hate for some of that momentum to be altered at all by what we're seeing now with uh, the Major League uh, lockout currently. How concerned are you as somebody who's as plugged in as anybody about this lockout and owners and players trying to work together and work something out. Yeah, you have to be concerned because right now you don't see where the area of compromise is. They're so far apart right now. Now, the clock is not working against them yet. And I say by clock, I mean the baseball calendar. You know, if I go back to 1990, the last time there was a lockout, it began right before spring training and the both sides settled on March 19th. They then scrambled to throw together a very short spring training. They delayed the regular season one week. So, in other words, they went about as far as you can go and still not jeopardize the 162 games. That, to me, is the clock that's ticking, is kind of getting to that point early March, maybe as late as mid-March, to save the 162-game season. And until we get there, I don't think there's enough pressure on both sides to get a deal done. So... There's a lot of time between now and then. Now and then, if I thought there was any momentum for a deal, I could say it would happen much sooner than that. But I don't think so. I think we're going to, you know, at least jan through January into February and sweating out whether we're going to lose games on the field, even spring training games. And I've had one agent tell me he thinks it can go all the way to May, which would be, I think, a disaster for baseball. Um, but right now, as I said, the the concerning thing is it. I don't know where the agreement is. Sometimes you can look at the math and figure out there's a compromise here or there, but they're so far apart philosophically, that is off in the distance right now. It's a piece of the philosophy, what we saw with the 60-game season and how they were still able to recoup a lot of the playoff money that they get with television deals. Owners saying, you know what, if we stick our feet in the ground, stick our heels down, we, and we still salvage 60 games like we did last year, that'd still be okay by this? Is that part of the philosophy here I see that talked about well there's two things here one I think is the players want to get more money to players early in their careers mm -hmm. and the way they want to do that is change both arbitration and free agency eligibility have guys eligible for those milestones sooner now free agent six-year eligibility mark that's been there since Marvin Miller established that in 1976 that's a tough move and the owners right now are saying that's like a no-fly zone there's no compromise there at all and then philosophically, the trouble is baseball wants the teams to be, as they say, as competitive th as they are. For the teams like, say, the Pirates, the Orioles, um, some of these teams that have struggled now for the last few years, they're saying, you have to spend more money to try to be competitive. Whereas general managers are saying, hey, it's just smart business not to spend money until you're actually competitive enough 
for a wild card spot at least. Uh, so essentially the players wanted the owners to spend more money at the bottom end of the scale here and, and bring that up. That's a tough thing to convince general managers to do, um, but they see that as something that it's worth fighting for at this point. So on the one hand, I don't know how much ground they're going to make on free agent and arbitration eligibility. Uh, maybe there's some things they can do with revenue sharing to change that, but you're talking about three pillars of last CBAs, last two or three in terms of arbitration, free agency, and revenue sharing. And the owners, uh, the players want to change three of those. Just changing one is really difficult. To change three is really difficult. Tom Perducci, congratulations. Enjoy the night. You don't need me to tell you it's <laughs> earned, but baseball fans everywhere love what you do. And we look forward to watching you for many years do what you do, and you can do so now as a Hall of Famer next to your title. Congratulations. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. That's Tom Verducci.